In today's Trouble with the Snap, Colson and I will be taking a quick preview into Week 12, some of the most notable games for this upcoming weekend, before diving into our locks of the week and finally wrapping up with a few discussion points. Roll the intro. Nick Saban, and in 2003, the Tigers captured the BCS. Michigan State's Dalen West Dixon and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable! Alright everybody, how's it going? Um, welcome back to Trouble with the Snap. As always, I'm Will, joined by, you know, just my five-star colleague in Austin, Texas, Mr. Colton Deutsch. Colton, how are we doing this evening? We're doing pretty well. Just have about two assignments or so to knock out and then... We're on to Thanksgiving break, so pretty excited about that. I think it's a much-needed break for everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. That break truly cannot get cannot, cannot get here fast enough for me. Um, Do you have a good day, solid day of class? Anything notable? Nothing too crazy. I had a cool uh, business law class today where uh, we got to look at this uh, website this government website where you can uh, see what money the state has been holding for you if they have any, and then you can claim it. So that was pretty cool. And besides that, nothing, nothing really too crazy, but I heard you had a rough day on the paintball fields. I did. Um, it wasn't too rough. Um, yeah. So today during paintball class, I, uh, we, were, we had a main emphasis, um, since we're at the end of the semester, we're trying to like piece together everything we've learned up at this point, like on the field. And so, you know, some of that becomes like shooting technique or like how to move to cover um, or how to communicate with teammates effectively, things like that. And today during one of our games, I, um, as soon as the game started, I immediately broke for cover. Um, and as soon as I got there, I just got absolutely lit up from at least two, two different directions, um, just absolutely pinned down. And I did my best to, um, to try to save my ass, to be honest. And um, I just kind of started spraying just blindly, hoping I'd hit someone. And, um, well, by me, by me leaning out over cover, spraying blindly, I, uh, I took a couple shots right in the chest. And that just did not feel good at all. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely not the highlight of my day. Um, after that... I uh, had to go to a, a brief little math class and just kind of review because I got a, I got a pretty big test tomorrow and in math. And so I had to just review and make sure things are going about as smooth as possible. Uh, but other than that, my day is just not too exciting. I watched Aggie basketball this evening and palpable Buzz Williams and the boys are off to a 3-0 start. Got, I believe, a 12-point win over SMU tonight in Dallas. And yeah, that was pretty much the summary of my day. Uh, just ready to talk some ball if you don't mind. A student athlete in its truest form. Uh, a few things I want to bring up real quick. <laughs> uh, first of all, shout out to the UT couple next to me at the TCU game that bought me and my roommate beers. That was super, super cool of them. 
And uh, yeah, they kept doing it. We kept trying to offer in the next round and they just told us that they wanted us to pass it along and buy beers for students when we are alums in the future. So shout out to them. That was very cool. Shout out to the dry cleaning ladies at Reed's. Uh, there's just one lady that's super nice and uh, it's always, always fun to see her. And also um, the HEB, one of the HEBs here in Austin, uh, there is an excessive amount of birds at this HEB, like a concerning amount of birds. I don't know that I've ever seen this many birds in one place in my life. And it actually affects where I park because I don't like, I literally saw cars just covered in birds think probably hmm. 20 birds standing on one car and that's actually the same parking lot that i got pooped on remember oh i do remember that yeah, yeah, yeah. so i don't really know what's going on there but this is uh we need to rezone the birds or get them more spread out something something's going on at that heb so just an absolute disaster class in the heb parking lot yeah it's just really concerning for me I can imagine. And I don't really know where to go. So yeah, those are a few things on my mind. I will uh, keep you all posted on the bird situation as well. But just wanted to give a few shout outs. Oh, also another quick thing. I don't really touch on it, but uh, uh, TCU's uh, stadium uh, kind of, it's kind of funky, but it's nice, but kind of a weird uh, bathroom situation there. Um, My seats were like in the end zone and somewhat like lower level of sorts, but I had to go to the like quote unquote club level to get to them. And there was no bathroom up there. That was only if you were in the club, could you use the bathroom? So I had to walk downstairs, which Man, was, which was, which was quite the really hike. Funny. The struggle was just real in TCU, huh? Yeah. So yeah, that's just a couple of things I thought I would hit on that the audience is interested in. Man, that's brutal. I'm sorry you had to walk an extra two minutes to go take that piss after all those free beers. Probably was about four or five minutes, Will, but thank you for your concern. <laughs> no worries. That's what I'm here for. Um, anyways, you ready to talk some football? Let's jump into it. Starting the ACC, you have Louisville going to Hard Rock Stadium to face the Miami Hurricanes. Louisville 9-1. and one. They have jumped into the top 10 in the playoff rankings, and in Jeff Brom's first year, they are one win away or a North Carolina loss away from clinching a spot in the ACC championship game against Florida State. As far as Miami goes, it's been a bit uh, confusing, the quarterback situation. You know, Tyler Van Dyke was out for a bit, then they had kind of the a younger guy playing, and then they ended up putting Van Dyke in towards the end of the game last week. So we'll see who goes there for the Hurricanes. Um, as far as Louisville goes, I mean, Jack Plummer has done a solid job in Brahms' offenses his first year, and Jorah Jordan has been running the ball well. Louisville's had a couple – a couple scares, particularly against Virginia last week, but I kind of like how they're playing, and I think they're going to get it done against the Hurricanes this weekend and clinch a spot in Charlotte. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Um, you know, Miami kind of up and down season a little bit. They're 6-4 and four going into this game. As you mentioned, Tyler Van Dyke, he, um, he was out for a little bit, and they just literally threw him directly back into the fire. Um, I believe he said last week, is, and I think that's when it was. But uh, anyways, just kind of odd. And, you know, it's um, – it's kind of sucks for Miami because, as I mentioned, they're going to this game six and four. When in reality, if if Mario Cristobal actually had a, a functioning frontal cortex, they should be seven and three going into this game, <laughs> because we all know, um, well, he doesn't take knees at the end of games, and that that's just 
you know, the biggest head scratcher in all of college football. But anyways, um, as for Miami, as I was just saying, it's a bit of a confusing season, bit a uh, bit up and down. I realize that this game is in Hard Rock in in Miami, um, so that will certainly work to their advantage. However, as Colton did mention, Jack Plummer of Louisville is having a great season in his head coaches in his head coaches first season at Louisville. Um, all in all, I with the Cardinals, you know, right on the cusp of clinching a conference playoff or a conference championship game spot. Um, I realize this game is on the road and um, it is at 11 a.m. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm still liking the Cardinals in this game by probably 10 points. Let's hop down to Tucson, Arizona, where the Utah Utes are going to play the Red Hot Arizona Wildcats. I love what I've seen out of Arizona really ever since Noah Fafita entered the lineup there. And yeah, I mean Utah has has done pretty well this year with Bryson Barnes, considering that injury to Cam Rising. And after some really struggles, Barnes has kind of found his way, and they've really made good use of Sione Vaki and Jaquan Jackson is obviously still there as well. I like the Cats at home, though. I think they're playing really well, and I think they'll be able to score just enough to get this one done. All right, now let's hop back to the SEC. Um, let's take a look at probably the biggest SEC game of this upcoming weekend. Um, I of course, I'm talking about Georgia going on to, going on the road to Knoxville to take on the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, you know, very big test for Georgia um, in this game, no question. Whenever Neyland Stadium welcomes a, a pretty primetime opponent like this, we, we all know the stadium will be absolutely going nuts. Uh, primetime 230 CBS slot. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that if you're an SEC team. Um, anyways, about the game, um, you know, Georgia – they're on a roll. I mean, they've been on a roll the entire season. They're still undefeated for, for a very good reason. You know, Carson Beck has been playing some excellent football as late, if not for pretty much the entire season. Um, and as we know, last weekend, Georgia did get Brock Bowers back. Granted, he was limited in his production and playing time due to that injury that he sustained a couple of weeks back. But um, all in all, I, I'd much rather have um, a recovering Brock Bowers on the field and no Brock Bowers at all. So huge victory for Georgia there to get to get him back. But anyways, for this game specifically, um, you know, I go if uh, going. Um, excuse me. When I looked at this game um, in the preseason before the before the regular season started, I definitely would have thought that this would be just an absolute throwdown, no question. Um, most likely fighting for the number one spot in the East. Um, however, with Tennessee being seven and three on the year. Um, not not as ideal as it was or not as good as it was last season, at least for the majority of the season. Um, you know, they can, they can still certainly make a statement, come out here on Saturday, and potentially upset the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs. Um, you know, in order for that to happen, you got to have Joe Milton on top of his game. And I really think um, uh, Joe Milton's going to have to get Squirrel White going through the air. That would be a lot of fun to see. And Squirrel White is also a very, very good receiver. Um, all in all, though, if, if I'm making a prediction on this game right now, I'm I'm certainly taking the Georgia Bulldogs probably by about two touchdowns. Um, you know, just, just as well as that offense has been rolling with and without Brock Bowers, their number one player, um, and is it is salty and as stacked as that defense is. Um, yeah, this, this almost feels like a bit of a no-brainer if you ask me. Yeah, I have a feeling that – Tennessee's receiver is going to be pretty covered up, and Joe Milton's going to be under pressure a lot. He needs to make sure he's out of the tackle box when he throws that football away because Tennessee could be moving backwards all day long. Let's go to the Big Ten. Illinois goes to Kinnick Stadium to face the Iowa Hawkeyes. 
Iowa, we joke about it. They had a bit of an offensive explosion, especially for their standards with 22 points in the last game and pretty good game at a Deacon Hill here. And uh, Iowa's in position here with a win in either of the next two games. They clinch a spot in the Big Ten Championship game. And I think that's exactly what Iowa is going to do, even though Illinois put up some points and numbers last week on the arm of Luke Altmaier. I think this Iowa defense is ready for the challenge, and they're probably going to score, what, 12 points, and they'll win the game. Yeah, no kidding. Um, you know, you and I, of course, jokingly bash Iowa's offense. It probably is harsh as anyone else um, talking college football, but it's all in good fun, as we know. Um, but the one the one aspect of that team we certainly cannot make fun of at all is that defense. They are just so salty, so good, um, and they are truly the reason why Iowa is 8-2 and two at this point in the season. Um, with this game being at home for the Hawkeyes, you know, Illinois 5-5 five and five on the season. Um Iowa, as as many teams are now on the verge, um, not necessarily – um, I'd have to check the exact stats, but considering that they are playing extremely well – or not extremely well, but they are you know playing pretty well down the stretch and um, coming up real quick, they just take care of business these final few games. They will certainly win the Big Ten West and be playing for a Big Ten title. Um, now, I'm liking the Hawkeyes in this game, and quite honestly, you know – the over and under set at 30 and a half, and I would probably feel pretty confident in taking that under. But uh, even by taking that under, I still think the Hawkeyes come out on top in this game. Let's look at an ACC matchup here in North Carolina, who is still in the hunt for the ACC championship game spot to play Florida State. They go on the road to Clemson to face future Texas A&M head coach Dabo Sweeney. Just joking. <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as this game goes, I mean, uh, Clemson is actually almost a touchdown favorite here. Clemson has been playing some very good defense for most of the season, and especially as of late. And it seems like their offense has been able to pick it up a little bit, but I don't know. I'm still a little bit unsure about this Clemson offense, regardless of how bad the Carolina defense is. And I like what I've seen out of Drake May, Marion Hampton, and Tez Walker these last few weeks that lead me to believe that Carolina, even on the road, even with a struggling defense, going to be able to put up just enough points to get it done against the Tigers. Yeah, I certainly like that pick, no question. Um, you know, what? Probably the the this is this is probably the biggest home game that the Clemson Tigers have left on their schedule. Would I be correct about that? Um. Anyways, um, with that being said, you know, Death Valley always a hostile environment, no matter who's coming in. Um. Although I, I agree exactly with what you just said a moment ago, Colton, you know, people like Drake May, Tez Walker, so on and so forth, have been playing really well as of recent. Um, I, I certainly would not be shocked at all if UNC walked in here and got a dub. Uh, the line currently right now is six and a half in favor of the Clemson Tigers. Um, but as Colton just mentioned a moment ago, Clemson is still kind of searching for that identity on offense, hence why they're six and four up at this point in the season. Um so, yeah, I certainly think UNC is just clicking a little bit more. Uh, they're just uh, just playing all, all around just a better brand of football for the, uh, at this moment in time. And so I'm, I'm also going to rock with the Tar Heels here. And I bet they probably get it done by about uh, – yeah, I, I, I bet they get it done by about a touchdown. Looking at a Big 12 matchup here, you have Oklahoma State, who is still in a good spot to make the Big 12 championship game. They go on the road to U of H. Uh, the Pokes, I'm curious to see how they play here. They have looked like a different team on the road. 
And uh, I mean, evidently in the, I mean, there's, you know, really no better proof of that than last week against UCF in Orlando where they get smashed 45-3. So Houston's kind of in desperation mode here too. If they want to win a bowl game, they have to win their next two games. Uh, you know, Donovan Smith is always a guy that can make some pretty big plays. And so, yeah, I'm looking to see uh, the post can find a way to bounce back. So I think Oklahoma State is going to win, but I'm just kind of eyeing this one. And uh, going to the Pac-12, this might be the game of the week. Pretty high six game here. You have Oregon State hosting the undefeated number five ranked Washington Huskies here. This is going to be a pretty interesting game to watch, uh, particularly because Jonathan Smith is a guy who's uh, kind of more of an offensive-minded head coach, but Oregon State has played some very good defense last year and for most of this year as well. Uh, kind of feels like, I don't know, I mean, Oregon State I think is probably primed for an upset the next couple weeks, and I don't know. Can I trust DJ in this offense to score enough points? I think I'm going to take the Beavers here to knock off Washington. Okay, interesting. Um, I mean, the game is in is in Corvallis, so it makes sense why you would say that. Um, however, you know, I, I I've had faith in Washington um, for the vast majority of the year, and especially with the play of the super high play of Michael Penix. Um, you know, they've been they've been they've just been humming all year long. And um, quite honestly, I don't necessarily see that stopping uh, on Saturday. I realize that the Beavs are uh, a two and a half point favorite, uh, mainly because this game is at home. I believe that's truly what separates this. Um, but, you know what? I truly, truly believe Washington is that good of a team. You know, they're undefeated for a reason up to this point in the season. Um, I'm certainly liking the Huskies in this game. I, I, I think the line of uh, the, pl- uh, the plus or minus two and a half is uh, – is exactly how I feel about just how just how much or how little uh, Washington will win this game. However, I still will ultimately rock with the Huskies in this one. Let's take a look at a Big 12 matchup. Texas goes to Ames to play the Iowa State Cyclones under the lights. Unite, this is a big-time game. We'll get into it in a bit in our discussion, but – uh, this is basically a win and end game for Texas uh, in terms of the Big 12. And if they lose, not only do their playoff hopes good on the drain, but all the tiebreakers kind of work against the Longhorns too. So even a 10-2 and two finish with a loss to Iowa State means the Longhorns are not going to make it to the Big 12 championship game. So this is a game I think is going to be pretty low scoring. It's one that I would think that uh, Texas defense will play pretty well i just still worry about the secondary i i kind of feel like almost anyone can throw on texas at this point but i see this being a low scoring game and i don't know i just feel like feel like texas has been living on the edge here and i kind of think this might be a low scoring game where losing jonathan brooks is really going to hurt you i don't really love what i've seen from the other backs enough that i can trust them in this situation so i think iowa state is going to pull the upset here but uh, either way i think it's a pretty low scoring game it's going to come down to the wire just like every single texas game ever this year it seems like except for alabama oddly enough um going into the american you have smu he was undefeated in conference in a three-way tie at the top with tulane and utsa they go to play memphis who is five and one in conference uh this will be hopefully a pretty high scoring game preston stone has done some good things there in red lashley's offense and uh yeah i mean I don't really have a pick for this game. I just think it's one that everyone should kind of keep their eyes peeled for, especially if you're going to do American football, because uh, there is a pretty tight race for that conference championship spot. 
All right, finally closing out our games or our game slate preview. Um, the final game I will be touching on is the AM Abilene Christian game. Um, not really much to say here, um, especially considering just how lesser of a of a slate this is for the SEC at this point in the season. Um, main storyline out of this, this is AM's first game, obviously without uh, the guidance of Jimbo Fisher. Um, and so it'll be very interesting to see just how interim head coach Elijah Robinson um, comes out and does in his first ever game as a head coach. So that will certainly be something to look at. Another thing I want to look at as well is seeing, um, I, I would love to see, or not, I would love to see, I am very curious to see if AM's third string quarterback, Jalen Henderson, will be able to keep up that hot streak that he seemed to, um, that he seemed to be on last weekend against Mississippi state against a much, a much lesser Abilene Christian team. And, you know, if he does, um, it will be very interesting to see who will ultimately get the starting nod against LSU the week after for to close out the regular season in Baton Rouge. Um, as of right now, I'm sure it probably still will be Jalen Henderson just because Max Johnson has three cracked ribs. Um, but you never know. Max Johnson's an absolute warrior, and that dude, especially going up against his former school, I'm sure he will probably do anything possible to get on the field for that game. But we'll see how it goes. And, um, I mean, as for a pick, I, I feel like it's pretty obvious a is probably going to win this game by – at least 30 plus points. So that it's always nice to have a little uh, softball cupcake like that. Um, but yeah, with that being said, that will just about close out our week 12 preview or our week 12 um, games, game breakdowns like that. Um, next, we will officially be jumping into our locks of the week. You know, Colton going into these two choices, he told me that it's time for you to finally turn this ship around um, and get back on the right track for your locks of the week. So how about you lead us off and let's, let's see if you can work some magic this week. Yeah, here we are, locks of the week. These are the ones that I think are going to hit. And look, unfortunately, I think I have to go with my with my hated rival and enemy up there in Norman. I cannot stand the Crimson and Cream, but they're minus 24.5 going to Provo, BYU. I can't believe they've won two Big 12 games. I think they're the worst team in the conference. And yeah, I see Dylan Gabriel in this OU offense putting up a lot of points and not giving up many because BYU is fairly incapable of scoring the ball. Sticking in the Big 12 here, Kansas State is minus eight going to Lawrence. Uh, this game kind of sucks because, uh, you know, Jalen Daniels has been out for a while and Jason Bean, I've seen mixed things on him. I saw that uh, Lance Leipold mentioned today that they're kind of moving forward under the impression that. Uh, the third string guy is going to be the starter there. And I like how K-State has played of late anyways. I think they're kind of more built later in the season, especially with how they are uh, or to last later in the season than Kansas is. And even with some athletes that could give the Wildcats some trouble, I think Kansas State finds a way to win this game by double digits. So give me the Wildcats minus eight and the Sooners minus 24 and a half. Lock it in. All right, so for my two locks of the week, as we all know, I, I've been crushing it these past two weeks with these, so I'm really hoping to keep that streak going. Um, my first lock of the week, I am taking Duke minus three and a half on the road, taking on Virginia. Um, as we know, Virginia has just been not a very good football team at all up to this point. And as we all know, Duke has certainly had their moments, um, had their good moments so far this season, of course, um, earlier on in the year. Um, even though Riley Leonard is still certainly banged up, I still do believe enough in Mike Elko, no question, to walk into Virginia and win this game by more than three and a half points. So that's why I'm ultimately rocking with Duke. Um, my next lock of the week might be a little 
it, it truly is a toss-up. This could certainly go either way. But as I mentioned just a moment ago, uh, I feel this conf- I feel that confident in this team. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about Washington plus two and a half at Oregon State. Um, you know, as I mentioned, um, the Huskies have been playing damn good ball all season, no questions asked. Um, I certainly believe that they have probably the the great uh, the best resume up to this point in college football in this season, and I, I don't see that stopping at all this this upcoming Saturday. So um, on the shoulders of Michael Penix, I am certainly rocking with the Huskies plus two and a half here on the road. Although it will be a very hostile environment and very tough to pull this one off, um, I'm still feeling confident in those Huskies. I mean, as uh, for with how the last couple of weeks have gone, I think I think those are the lockiest of of locks out there. Okay. Should we uh, hop into some discussion? We had some new college football playoffs playoff rankings released this week tonight. So the rankings go as followed: You have a change at the top with Georgia leaping Ohio State. So you have Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, Florida State round up the top four. Washington, Oregon, and Texas are five, six, and seven, and then eight, nine, and ten are Alabama, Missouri, and the University of Louisville Cardinals. So, Will, do you have any uh, kind of any major thoughts or reactions to these latest rankings? Um, as for the top ten, um, I think it's about time that Georgia jumped Ohio State for number one. Um, I get why the committee had Ohio State number one for the past for the first two rankings, but. Clearly, I feel like um, since these rankings have started coming out, um, Georgia has certainly proved to be the number one team in the country. Uh, no questions asked, in my opinion. Um, you know, Ohio State just go, dropping from one to two certainly makes the most sense. Um, you got Michigan three, Florida State four. I, I can certainly um, get behind this this playoff. That'd be a lot of fun, especially if you have Ohio State and Michigan in the same top four like that. Um, that would be a ton of fun. Uh, then, of course, as Colton mentioned, you got Washington, Oregon, Texas, Bama, Missouri, and Louisville. Um, so five, six, seven, and eight are unchanged this week. Um, however, we had a little bit of a shakeup at the nine and ten spot as both Ole Miss and Penn State lost this past Saturday, which ultimately dropped them out of the top ten, and they got replaced by Missouri and Louisville. Um, I don't want to call this, you know, shocking by any means because you know Missouri and Louisville have been two of the best teams throughout the country to watch this season. So it's certainly, it makes sense. And, you know, if anything, I'm actually, I'm really happy to see that the committee is finally rewarding uh, these two schools for just how good a seasons that they're having. Um, you know, Missouri, as, as we mentioned uh, either last episode or a few episodes ago, they came into this season with their head coach um, directly placed on the hot seat. And, you know, Eli Drinkowitz truly had his back against the wall and he only had one choice. Um, and that was to respond. And clearly he has responded to that, that early season criticism uh, incredibly well, considering that he has his Missouri Tigers ranked number nine in the CFP poll and, you know, just two losses on the season. So all in all, great job by Drinkowitz. As for Louisville, um, yeah, they're playing obviously incredibly well um, up to this point in the season. They only got one loss. And, you know, as Colton likes to mention, they're in their, uh, their head coaches in his first year with the Cardinals. And so, um, yeah, he's he's certainly doing a hell of a job. Um, but other than that, for the top ten, that's pretty much that's pretty much what I got. Colton, what do you, what do you see here? Yeah, I uh, I pretty much agree with you on that. Um, I mean, I just think people say the eye test. I mean, Georgia has just looked so good, and at this point, um, I mean, their resume 
is probably up there with Ohio State's, uh, and at least it, it you know can uh, can only get better with the SEC championship uh, coming up as well. And yeah, I mean, I was kind of with you there. I mean, Mizzou and Louisville being in the top ten, uh, it's just kind of weird to see those just kind of those uh, logos up there and. Especially uh, for I mean uh, Louisville, if, I mean if they clinch a spot, AC title game, they're just about locked into a New Year's Six spot, and uh, Missouri has has a good path to be in the New Year's Six as well, which, like you mentioned, is pretty awesome considering Eli Drinkwitz was on the hot seat. Aside from that, I mean nothing else too much here that I uh, disagree with. I still think based off resume, Texas should be ahead of Oregon, but Oregon hasn't been playing better football as of late, so I do understand it and. I think it's all going to uh, tend to work out. Uh, one thing I think is, uh, I think it's kind of interesting. I feel like at this point in the year, there's really not that many contenders typically that are left in here um, for the playoff spot. So I feel like there's definitely some upsets that are primed to happen in the next week or two because it just doesn't really ever seem like we're at this point where there's eight teams that could legitimately all get into the playoffs. So uh, kind of a random question real quick. Colton, if you – have noticed Florida State. Obviously, they they've have um, they've won their recent games, no question. Um, but I feel like, at least in my opinion, they've kind of done that in uh, a bit of like shaky fashion, a little bit. I mean, you know, the games were probably a little bit closer than they should have been. You know, compared to Washington, of course, you can say, of course, the Huskies are undefeated. However, uh, most notably, you look at like that Arizona State game where um, you know they didn't take the lead till the fourth quarter in that game. So, hypothetically, in your opinion, if Florida State um, officially wins the ACC championship and Washington officially wins the Pac-12 championship. Do you still believe Florida State gets in in that four spot over Washington? Well, is this under the assumption that Ohio State and Michigan both make it? Yeah, so pretty much if one, two, and three stayed the same and, you know, the college football playoff rankings, uh, like the final rankings came out tomorrow, um, with Florida State having that conference championship under their belt, as does Washington in this scenario, um, would you flip the Huskies for – uh, would you flip the Huskies and Florida State, or would you leave it where it is now? Well, I think in that case, Washington would have a much better resume. They'd have wins over Oregon, Oregon State, and probably Oregon again. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't really see a way that – like I think if Ohio – I feel like it's not really – I think a lot would need to happen. There needs to be at least a couple upsets for Ohio State and Michigan to both make the playoffs because if you're an 11-1 and Michigan team and you're battling with – Maybe a twelve and one conference champion Oregon or Texas or even Bama. I think that Michigan would kind of have to lose that one because they don't have a conference championship. Okay, but in your scenario, I would pick Washington. I think they have a better resume than Florida. I mean, because look, Florida State's best win. I mean, you play uh, like you know, I mean, you play who you play, but their best win is LSU, who they ended up killing, but they have three losses. Yeah. So I mean, I guess uh, they could get eleven and one Louisville. That's definitely a possibility. Um, okay, but yeah, I think in that scenario, I would take Washington. What about you? I would certainly take Washington as well, um, especially considering in in this scenario I just mentioned, Washington would be an undefeated conference champion, and that would be really hard to leave out of the playoff, especially if it's a Power Five champion like that. Um, excuse me for a moment. I just saw an update about something absolutely crazy. Um, I'll, I'll I'll mention it later. Um, Colton, thank you for sharing that with me. Um, anyways, um, back to the scenario, as I was saying, Washington, 
um, at that point in this case would be an undefeated conference champion. And, you know, technically Florida state would have a conference championship under their belt at the same time. However, I do think as Colton was saying a moment ago, and as I said earlier in the show, Washington, in my opinion, has one of the strongest resumes in the country. And certainly if they go undefeated with the conference championship, that will absolutely stand true. So I would also rock with the Huskies. Let's talk some conference championship races. We've kind of done this the last the last couple episodes, and so I thought it would be best to keep everybody informed and updated. The SEC championship is locked in. You have Georgia is going to play Alabama. That cannot change. That's already locked in. Florida State is already in the ACC championship, and as long as Louisville wins this weekend or Carolina or North Carolina loses – Louisville will be in that spot. If not, Louisville, uh, sorry, North Carolina, if they're able to win out and Louisville loses to Miami, then you would see the Tar Heels in that one. The Pac-12 is pretty much going to be decided in the last couple weeks if Washington wins this weekend, or at least if they win one of the next two games, I believe they would be in the Pac-12 championship and Oregon and Oregon State are kind of fighting for that second spot. Although if Oregon State loses this weekend and Oregon wins, and it will be an Oregon-Washington rematch, which would be pretty awesome. And uh, the Big Ten, it's going to come down to, in the East, is going to be the Michigan-Ohio State game. And then in the Big Ten West, Iowa is two games ahead of everyone with two games to go. So the Hawkeyes are in a pretty good spot there as long as they can win one of the next two games as far as the big 12 goes right now texas is solely in the first place and there is a scenario where oklahoma state kansas state and ou could all be tied at seven and two in that case oklahoma state would get in so essentially as it stands right now texas and oklahoma state control their own destiny if texas wins this weekend against iowa state they are pretty much in the championship game if Texas loses, the Longhorns are pretty much out, and that opens up a pretty wide range of possibilities. That includes Kansas State or Oklahoma finding their way to Arlington as well. So kind of a lot to follow there, but things are really starting to kind of take form as the last two weeks um, are about to kick off. No, for sure. Um, you know, this is certainly one of the best times of the year. Um, or at least the the season for college football. It's always fun to see these races get tight towards the end and um, see the conference championship picture really shape or come into form. Um, I don't really have much to say. Colton, I thought you did a great job breaking that down. Um, So if you don't mind, could we actually go on to our third and final discussion topic real quick? Yeah, so our last topic here, uh, it sounds like Chip Kelly is going to be coaching either his last or second to last game. This weekend against USC, a game we didn't even preview. But, yeah, it looks like Chip Kelly's tenure at UCLA is coming to an end. Yeah, so uh, – sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. You're all good. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, just really quickly, you know, Chip Kelly, I remember when he got hired um, by UCLA – however many seasons ago that was. And I remember that there was certainly a lot of excitement down in LA for that, um, considering just how well he was able um, to position the the Oregon program there when he was still um, in Eugene before he took off for the NFL. Uh, there certainly, without a doubt, was um, a ton of excitement and a ton of buzz for the Bruins. Um, unfortunately, 
you know, once he made that jump to the NFL, it's just like something changed in him. And, you know, he was, he's never really been able to get back to that, um, that success that he had, um, in Oregon. So I guess it's, it's just kind of like the whole Jimbo Fisher thing, quite honestly. Um, cause you know, except, except Jimbo didn't go to the NFL. Um, y- you get what I'm saying. Anyways, uh, ultimately, um, what I was trying to say there is, um, Similar scenario because when Jimbo was still at Florida State, you know, he had a ton of success, uh, playoff spots, national championship in 2013, things like that. And when Chip Kelly was at Oregon, you know, he had the Ducks playing um, for the first ever college football playoff national title, I believe in 2014 is the year that was. Um, and, you know, they they actually um, ultimately beat uh, Florida State in the college football playoff. But as we all know, uh, Oregon ultimately did not win a national championship. But anyways, um, as for Chip Kelly, you know, he goes from that type of – that level of success to getting throttled in the NFL to coming back to the college game and just kind of being average, uh, a little bit below average. So um, I, I certainly understand why UCLA is getting rid of him. And, um, you know, I, I wish him and the Bruins the best of luck going forward in the future. Yeah, it feels like uh, there's kind of a lot of pressure here, particularly with UCLA going to the Big Ten. Like you mentioned, Chip had incredible success at Oregon, but kind of when the new substitution rules came into play and people kind of started just running the same offense that Chip Kelly did, what he did uh, was not very unique anymore. And uh, kind of doesn't feel like Chip Kelly is really the biggest fan of recruiting. I know he landed Dante Moore a five-star, but you can probably count the amount of five-stars that he's landed at UCLA on one hand. Which I feel like is kind of weird because it seems like UCLA would be a pretty attractive place to play at. I mean, I know USC has a bit more tradition there, but I mean, I feel like a lot of uh, kids would love to stay home, especially in in LA and play there with all the talent there out west. So interested to see the direction that UCLA goes in. They actually play some pretty good defense this year. Their offense was just a complete mess, and yeah, I mean, I. I feel like it's been, what, six or so years. I think he was hired in 2018, I believe, or 2017. And, I mean, it's like you said, he's he's been fine. He has been he hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't really been anything special. And I kind of feel like UCLA could do a bit better. So interested to see the direction that they go in there, if they kind of go for more of a younger, energetic guy that maybe is more into recruiting. And really, if their department, athletic department and uh, kind of boosters and fans are able to really – back this football program with NIL and say transition to the big 10. We'll see what kind of coach the Bruins are able to lure to Westwood. Well, that, uh, that was our final discussion topic. Um, I, I feel like we kind of hauled after this episode, um, a little bit, but that's not always a bad thing. Colton, is there, uh, any final thoughts, uh, comments, any concerns, whatnot, uh, before we close out the show? Yeah, I mean, like we've been like we've been saying, uh, there's going to be a lot of coaching news to keep all updated on, and I think every single time we've said that, a coach has been fired before our next episode. So maybe we have a bit of a bit of power up here. But yeah, I think you know, I'll just about wrap it up. If I had to, if I had to lock in my next time. coach to be fired before our next episode, I'm betting the house on Sam Pittman. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Uh, could be Dana Holgerson too, depending on how uh, the game goes this weekend too. But yeah, I think you're probably spot on there with with Sam Pittman. But yeah, we're gonna keep y'all pretty up to date on just about everything. And uh, I mean, it's not the uh, it's not the greatest slate out there, but 
there's still a chance for some upsets and you still have a couple good top 25 matchups. So I would just soak it in. We only have a couple more weeks of college football, unfortunately. So I would just sit on your couch and enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Especially going down the stretch as, um, as T.O. once said, get your popcorn ready. So, um, or excuse me, uh, in the, in the theme of college football as Lynn Kiffin once said, get your popcorn ready. Um, but ultimately that will just about do it for us on this episode. Um, as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, things like that, please feel free to let us know, you know, where you know how to reach out to us. Um, but yeah, that will just about do it. Thank you all very much for tuning in to this episode of triple with the snap. We will talk to y'all, um, early next week, pending any, any, uh, pending no more emergency episodes. Um, but yeah, we will talk to y'all then. Thank you all.